The text for our sermon this morning is from the gospel reading just read. In particular, Jesus' first public sermon when he preaches and says in verse 17, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And also, St. Paul's admonition and reminder to us, verse 18 of our epistle reading, The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus comes to fulfill all prophecies to show us he always keeps his word and that his word is continually proclaimed to us so that we know he will save us. It's a curious thing that Jesus does when he hears that John the Baptist is arrested. When Jesus heard of John's arrest, he withdrew into Galilee. Not really what you might hope Jesus would do when you're arrested for preaching the gospel. Instead of withdrawing, wouldn't it seem more appropriate for Jesus to gather a band of guys, strong soldiers, and go and just break John out of prison? Remember the context of our reading. We're early in the gospel according to St. Matthew, and nobody really knows what Jesus is going to do. It is a time of where Jesus is kind of showing and teaching people who he is and what his ministry is all about. He was just baptized, just into temptation in the wilderness, and now we hear about Jesus going to Galilee. As the gospel is facing its first opposition, John the Baptist being arrested, and Jesus, it looks like, could care less. Reason and common sense would tell us, hey, go and help your friend out. If you are the Son of God, save him. But Jesus goes the opposite way. Maybe Jesus is a prophet like Jonah. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, and you remember which way Jonah went. He ran the opposite direction. Instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah ran. Is Jesus just like Jonah? Is that his first reaction, is to run away when things get dark? Well, Jesus, of course, is not running away. In fact, Jesus is doing what he has prophesied to do, to come to those living in darkness, particularly those in the geographical lands that were described. Matthew is showing us that Jesus is without a doubt the Messiah, that God keeps his word. That the one who is to fulfill every prophecy is here. However, it wasn't just to the Jews that Jesus had come. Today, Matthew's pointing out Jesus has come for the Gentiles too. To be a light. To be a light in the darkest of times. Not just for John, but for all people. That Jesus has come to go to the cross to win true victory. Jesus had not come to put an end to all earthly problems. He has come to transform them. He has come to use 
All that the devil and evil tries to do in our world to sway us and to pull us away from Christ, Jesus has come to fulfill all prophecies and come to show us that he's going to use all the suffering, all the darkness in this life for our good. And that's a hard thing to hear. It's particularly difficult today when we hear about John the Baptist being arrested and Jesus just goes about his business. And maybe it feels like that in your life sometimes too. And this is our challenge as Christians, to walk by faith when it seems that God is just going about his business whether it be in our our own personal lives or in our world in general, in our families, in the lives of our friends. Jesus, where are you? You just going about your business? But you see today, even in our our reading today, as Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies, He's setting himself up for what he's going to do to show us that he is present with us. That we as his New New Testament people, as people who've come after the resurrection, how he works for us now, even when it seems the darkness is too great. If it seems like we don't have an answer for things, Jesus today is showing us that indeed he is with us and he's preserving us. For on the one hand, Jesus is going to show God's faithfulness to answer every prophecy and every question from the Old Testament. And on the other, he's showing us how he's setting himself up for providing an answer for the age to come. That his cross and his suffering is the pattern for our lives. Unless you pick up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy. So it's important for us during Epiphany, as the identity of God is revealed to us, to hear Isaiah 9, that God is beginning a new era of how he is present with his people. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, and now his role is coming to an end. John closes the era of prophecies, and now as Jesus steps forward, a new era of God's presence begins. Just as the author in Hebrews said, in many and various ways, God spoke to the prophets of old, but now in these last days, he speaks to us by his son. So what is that Jesus? What is it that he's going to bring? What is it that he's going to say? Remember John's sermon last weekend, last Sunday. It was a short sermon, but effective. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now today we hear Jesus' first sermon, his first publicly recorded words. And what does Jesus say? Does Jesus say, hey guys, it's time to party? Does he come out and say, oh, that John the Baptist, those Old Testament prophets, they were just just a bunch of old fuddy-duddies? Does Jesus come out and, and preach a sermon that we might like to hear where he says, don't worry about changing your life. Just keep on doing what you're doing. I'll be here when it's convenient for you. 
No, Jesus says repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, that's what John the Baptist said. We thought you'd bring something new, something better. If people were hoping they'd get a break from John's constant call to repentance, they're sorely disappointed in Jesus. Because when he comes, he says the same thing that John the Baptist has been saying. Repent. And he says that to you and me today as well. Pastor, we say the same confession every Sunday. This is why. Yes, even every day. Because when our Lord Jesus Christ instructs us to repent, he's describing the life of a Christian. And don't we sometimes think that that sermon's a little overused? I mean, when there's so much evil going on, so much darkness, Christians being persecuted, really, Jesus, repent is all you can come up with? With all the concerns of this life and Jesus, you want us to keep talking about repentance? But you see, that that is what we should be most bothered about in this life. Our sins. And the fact that we think repentance is not all that important. Kind of a passing thing in our life. Because you see, the problem of our fallen hearts is that with all this talk of light and and crushing the rod as in the day of Midian, all this talk of victory, the problem is that we really prefer the darkness of our own hearts. Rather than be bothered with actually changing our lives and, God forbid, doing something we don't like, the darkness is a bit more comfortable, isn't it? And that's the same darkness the people were living in when Jesus came to them. That is the darkness that is going to bother us until Christ calls us to Abraham's bosom. And also thinking that when Jesus says the kingdom has come near, that he's talking about the the kingdom of this world. That here in this life we're going to win every political battle That if we can just convince people to be Christian, if we are articulate enough, if we just change this or that about the Christian church, if we weren't so old-fashioned, the church will grow. If everyone would just agree with me, our church wouldn't have any problems. Our children will never make bad decisions. Next year, we aren't going to have to worry about making enough money But you see that worry, that sadness, that despair, that's the darkness Jesus is speaking of. Despair in thinking that God is just withdrawn and it's okay for us to worry that, well, everything is in our hands. But do you see what Jesus is doing in our reading? He is on his way to the cross. He is going to take all the darkness into himself and die. To take all that, all that bothers you, all the sadness, all the despair, he takes that unto himself. 
and when it seems that the darkness would win, when even the sun would hide itself because of the tragedy of our sin and our refusal to repent, when Jesus is crucified, death does not win. The darkness does not stay, for our Lord Jesus Christ is raised on a Sunday when brightness comes and is a refuge for you, a brightness that not even the darkness can overcome. God has in Christ Jesus fulfilled all that he said he would do. Jesus is not a Jonah running away when he withdraws into Galilee. Jesus is working for John's rescue, not necessarily from his political imprisonment, but John's greater prison, the prison of sin, the prison of death, the prison of worry. That's what Jesus is doing. He is working for John's release. He's working for your release. Jesus is winning his victory that has an eternal freedom attached to it that you, my dear friend, can have and rejoice now. By filling all of God's demands, Jesus gives an answer for all the darkness in your heart. All the love you have of the kingdom of this world, Jesus goes to the cross to free you even from your pet sins. Sins that you might think are safe, that you have control over, that I can dabble a little bit in this or that. No, Jesus comes and says, I'm freeing you even from the sins that trick you. Jesus comes as the light of the world, not to free you in this life from all suffering, but he gives your suffering meaning that when Jesus seems to withdraw, it's because he's purifying your faith. He's taking away the things you trust in the most. He's taking away the things you thought were so permanent in this life. And he says, no, I am the only thing that's permanent. My promise of forgiveness and eternal life, that I will help you to produce fruits of repentance, to change those things about your life that you really don't like, but, well, kind of find it hard to get over. In the Gospels themselves, we are instructed to produce fruits of repentance. Not fruits of darkness, but fruits of repentance. To know that the Gospel is, what is how does Paul describe it today? The Gospel is the power of God. It isn't, there, it isn't there to hurt you, but to save you. Jesus not only withdraws into Galilee to fulfill all prophecy, but then he shows how his presence is going to be with us, with his New Testament church. Now that John the Baptist, the Old Testament, is drawing to a close, when God calls prophets, Jesus shows now how he's going to be active among us in his word and sacrament. When John is arrested, Jesus calls pastors. These men who would be his presence with us day by day until he returns again. That his word will not be silenced, but would continue to be preached. Jesus, later in the Gospels, will tell his disciples, when people hear you, they hear me. Wherever two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am. 
And again, who can forget when Jesus instructs his disciples, this is my body, this is my blood. Do this for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the power of the gospel. That is what produces repentance and the fruits of that repentance. Because Jesus keeps his word. And today we are shown that no matter what you suffer, Christ will never withdraw from you. That your suffering is not without reason. It is to lead you to continually repent. Jesus is not going to give you anything to destroy your faith, but to show you that in the end, he is faithful. Not only is he going to end your suffering, but he's going to raise you that we will rule, that we will be kings with the king of kings. We are lords with the Lord of lords. All of us baptized believers who don't give up the faith, us who persevere in producing fruits of repentance, in the end, we will see those sufferings, we will see them as trophies. We will see our, our, our trophies, our suffering, as the glue that kept us from becoming too proud or too comfortable in this kingdom of the world. So Jesus will not be distracted from his task of saving John by breaking him out of prison. He will go to Galilee to keep the faith. And he will do the same for you. He will go and he will do what's necessary to keep you in the faith. So don't wallow in the dark things of this world, but be a light. We do this by encouraging one another, by sharing in our sufferings, so that we may be able to help others when they suffer. Don't let the light of your life be a television or a phone screen. You are the light. Turn it off. Put it down. You are the light because you carry Christ. And despite the dark places you might continually go, Jesus has saved you. So take heart and be of good courage. For the light shines in the darkness, even for us Gentiles. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.